What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? My name is Maxwell Kosmolski, and this is Max's Midweek Market Mania. You're listening to this on June 1st, 2022. And boy, we had an interesting week. So first of all, this is kind of a new segment. As we know, uh, Monday, markets were closed in notice of Memorial Day. So Tuesday was the first day of trading of the week. And as you guys know, as I reported on the last episode, the Dow Jones had eight weeks in a row of losses, and that hadn't happened since 1923. S&P 500, seven weeks of losses, hasn't happened since 2001. We finally broke that streak. Shit is not hitting the fan. At least, I don't think so. Maybe it's a bull trap. We don't know. But we saw a crazy amount of short interest in all of these stocks, retail investors, they're betting short, they're getting puts on the SPY and QQQ and all that stuff. And the market likes to deliver the maximum amount of pain possible. It wants to inflict as much damage as just as possible. So people got greedy on the short side. And Thursday, Friday, we saw the markets rally very hard. Save the day. It saved that losing streak. Let's see what we got for the week. All right. Dow Jones. 5.2%, up 5.2% on the week, S&P 500, up 5.77%, and the NASDAQ was up a bit more at 6.58%. Now, on the month, they were all just barely flat, barely down. NASDAQ was down 3%, S&P 500 down 0.9%. Nothing crazy. Bitcoin down 16% on the month. Uh, not too crazy. We saw a pretty good rebound on Memorial Day. Bitcoin was up as much as 9%. So we also got new all-time highs for gas. Hooray. Just kidding. I don't like that. Crude was up. Crude oil was up 11% on the month. And the national average for gas is $4.62 a gallon now. So we hit that on Memorial Day. Thank you to the smart people in the government who thought it was a good idea to decrease our own energy independence, shut down our own domestic pipelines, and then buy it from some country that is, you know, committing war and whatnot. Russia supplies a lot of oil for a lot of people in the world. So we got a lot of Federal Reserve people speaking this week, and something big is happening, actually. So I got to explain something to you guys. It's called quantitative easing. It's politician talk for counterfeiting. It is simply counterfeiting. They print money digitally, comes out of nowhere. No economic output is required to get this free currency, and that's quantitative easing. They, the Federal Reserve conjures up this currency out of thin air, and then they end up buying government debt, which is you know treasuries and bonds, and they buy mortgage-backed securities and other financial instruments. So the opposite of quantitative easing is quantitative tightening. So this means that the Federal Reserve and its balance sheet just hit an all-time high uh, not too long ago. It's around $9 trillion. $9 trillion. They're the largest holder of government debt on the planet. And they bought all that government debt with money that came off the printing press. So what they're doing now is they're getting, they're offloading some of the assets on their balance sheet, and that's called quantitative tightening. So instead of printing the currency out of thin air and then buying up the financial instruments, 
they are selling the financial instruments that they bought previously and they don't do anything with the money. So it's, it's technically deflationary. And I have to give props to uh, Jerome Powell because this is the responsible thing to do. And he met with Biden today or yesterday, Tuesday, May 31st, and they discussed that inflation is one of Biden's largest concerns although it doesn't seem like it because nothing is being done that actually helps with inflation. But aside from that, they talked about how they are set on trying to fight inflation. And this week they're starting the quantitative tightening. So maybe we'll see some volatility in the markets as you pull the money from the system. Uh, it, it, has, it doesn't have anywhere to go. So we might see some crazy volatility in the bond market and maybe even the stock market. I don't know. But we will have to check up on that. Something else interesting that happened, and this will be effective, I think, June 6th, if that's next Monday. Amazon will be trading at a 20-for-1 split. So right now it's about like a $2,300 stock, and it'll if you own one share of Amazon, you will now own 20 shares, but the dollar amount will be the same. It's not really advantageous other than to maybe increase trading volume and whatnot. So someone like me who might want to trade options, you know, call options, put options on Amazon, you can't really buy a options contract on Amazon for, you know, less than like 5,000 bucks, which that's a lot of money to a lot of people. And if the stock is 20 times less, you know, it's, it goes from 2,300 to, I don't know, what, what does that put it at? Maybe 115, give or take. So people will be able to trade options on it. The, the little guy, the retail investors. So that might spark up some volume and it might even send, you know, tech stocks in a, in a rally. We will see, we don't know, but people usually think of it as a bullish sign, even though it's not bullish or bearish, it doesn't mean anything, but people like to just see that, oh, Amazon's in the spotlight. Everyone's looking at it now. And honestly, it, it might give some good price action. Amazon was up 4% to, on Tuesday's trading, something like that, give or take. Oh, last week, your favorite meme stocks, AMC up 44%, GameStop up 47%. Now, I saw some headlines and they were talking about Top Gun coming out. I don't think that's why AMC rallied 44%. I think it's... It's basically just a speculative mania, and when it gets traction, it gets traction, and it runs, and it runs, and what happens nine times out of ten is it, it runs, it runs, it runs, it goes up and up and up, and then it crashes. The faster it goes up, the faster it falls. And I actually had some AMC call options last week. Uh, Thursday held them overnight to Friday. Actually managed a four-bagger on one of those. So that was pretty nice. Four bagger means $1 into $4 for those who don't know. So as we know, inflation, it's still here. It's still bugging us. It's bugging you. It's bugging me. It's at the tank. It's in the housing, housing prices it's at the grocery store. Germany, Europe's largest economy just reported an inflation number of 8.7%. That's the highest since 1950. And the, the Euro area just printed its highest 8.1%. 8.1%, that's a record. So inflation, is it done? Is it not? We don't know. We don't have a new number coming out for a couple weeks. So something else interesting that happened. You guys remember Terra Luna? 
You remember if you invested a million dollars into Terra Luna on May 4th, on May 12th, you would not even be able to purchase two packs of gum. Your $1 million would have turned into less than $3. So this untrustworthy gentleman who created a Ponzi scheme and like Bernie Madoff, lost investors about $60 billion. People lost their ass. People lost 100% of their investment. This guy, Do Kwan, he thought it would be a good idea. Oh, yeah, my shit was horrible last time. It was a Ponzi scheme. It didn't work out, but trust me, I'll do it better this time. He came out with Terra too. So if you lost all your money investing in Terra and you want the opportunity to do it again, there's a brand new recreated token created by the same person where you might be able to lose all your money again. If you're interested, not financial advice, do not do that. Actually, I don't know. Maybe it'll go up. I don't know. I'm personally not following Doquan and Terra. He lost my trust. He should have lost everyone else's trust. But I guess it's a free country. It's an unregulated financial market. And I've discussed this with a lot of different people. And I'm personally for crypto. And this guy, Do Kwan, yeah, he created a Ponzi scheme. I've been burned by you know, shit and crypto. I've, I've gotten fished. I've gotten my money hacked and stolen. The money just, it goes from my wallet to someone else's wallet and it's gone. It might as well not exist for me, but these are inherent risks with crypto. It's an unregulated financial market. It is not FDIC insured. If your bank gets robbed, it is FDIC insured of $250,000. I think yeah, give or take, maybe more if you're a couple or something like that. You get the point. But in crypto, it is not regulated. It is a free-for-all. I can go create a coin. If I wanted to, I could tell you that I created something called Scam Coin, and you guys should go buy it, and I give you the address to go buy it, and then you buy it, and you're unable to sell it. Those are things that happen very frequently, and rug pulls happen. It's where, you know, say I release a cryptocurrency, and I let it get big, and then the liquidity pool where... Uh, buyers of the crypto exchange their other crypto for that crypto and the sellers exchange their crypto for another crypto. That's what a liquidity pool is. It's where that money is held. It's so that people can get in and out. Uh, a rug pull is where the creator just takes that liquidity pool and they just send it to a private address. So the coin goes to zero immediately. We have politicians currently uh, arguing to regulate crypto a lot more and I do not want to be regulated by a bunch of criminals. I'll tell you that. And I'm sure you don't want to be regulated by a bunch of criminals either. So I don't want them to touch it or anything. Although there are advantages. If, if it gets more regulated, if Bitcoin gets some sort of regulation, then institutional money can come in. Then maybe we'll see $700,000 Bitcoin. But I appreciate the risks, the risk reward, whatever, because you know it's kind of a free country and anybody who is getting into crypto, they need to know these risks. You know, if you're, if Coinbase goes down and you, you hold all your Bitcoin in Coinbase, you might be shit out of luck. But that's enough about the regulation in crypto. I, the regulation is coming one way or another. They can't stop all of it. They can't regulate every last crypto or whatever but it's coming and we will see what it does to the markets. So Biden met with Powell, as I said. I think you're gonna be hearing a lot about a term 
known as stagflation. So what is stagflation? We know inflation is the increase in the money supply, or there's people argue for two, def two different definitions. One, that it's the increase in the money supply, and then the other is that it's an increase in prices, which is often a symptom of an increase in the money supply. Now, stagflation is inflation with no economic growth. So if our government just doubles the amount of money in existence and gives it out to everyone, you'll see gross domestic product go through the roof, unless shit's really bad, but they conjure up all this money out of thin air and then they disperse it, they inject it into the economy, you would expect the economy to artificially grow. Now with stagflation, that's when prices are going up, they're going up, they're going through the roof, but there is no economic growth. That is kind of what we're, we, a lot of investors are sitting on the sidelines waiting. People want to see what's going on. Are we approaching recession territory or are we not? Recession is technically 20%, a 20% fall from the top of, you know, say the S&P 500 or the Dow Jones or the NASDAQ. And we're not there yet. We briefly uh, poked that area last week or maybe it was the week, it was the week before. Yeah. Uh, people think we're nearing a recession, but you know, we don't know. Uh, we will get quarter two GDP results, I think in the beginning of July, and then that will confirm if we're in a recession as well. Another indicator of a, a recession is two quarters of declining GDP. So, oh, actually I got that wrong. A 20% decline in the major index, like the S&P 500, that's known as a bear market. So if it goes down 20%, then you're in bear market territory. Two quarters of declining GDP, that is a recession. So pardon me on that one. So I've got three statistics that I want you government people to answer for me because someone is lying and I want to know who it is. So you guys have heard me say this plenty of times. They report the inflation with the consumer price index, the CPI. And that number right now is 8.3%. I reckon if you ask, you know, the, the shopper of the household or anyone who pumps gas, which is everybody, anyone who's home shopping, which is quite a few people, they will argue that inflation is way worse than 8.3%. Hell, we saw beef go up like 40%. We saw used cars go up over 40%. It, it doesn't make any sense. But the government, they tell us that it's 8.3%. And one third of the weighting of that index, the consumer price index, which determines inflation, the inflation number, one third of that index is weighted with rent or rent equivalent. They call it shelter. And that number is 5.1%. Interesting. Do we think housing and housing prices and rent only went up 5.1% year over year? I don't know. Maybe we should ask another statistic. How about S&P CoreLogic Case-Shiller 20 city home price index? You can find this on tradingeconomics.com. They have all the latest and greatest information, not only for the US, that's where I go to find out, you know, whatever Germany's inflation is or Turkey's GDP, et cetera, et cetera. But S&P CoreLogic Case-Shiller 20 City Home Price Index, it takes the 20 of the biggest cities and their average house, house price. And from March of 2021 to March of 2022, it increased 
That's a hell of a lot more than 5.1%. Hmm, I wonder if someone's fib in here. Maybe we should try something less uh, exposed to the big cities. Obviously, we know San Francisco's gonna have crazy high housing. New York's gonna have crazy expensive housing. Uh, but Detroit is in there as well, and the housing isn't that expensive there. It's actually quite cheap. Being from Michigan, I know that. But the Federal Housing Agency, they reported in the U.S., the United States Housing Price Index, quarter one of 2021 to quarter one of 2022, house prices went up 18.7%. So if you guys want to do some homework, if you don't believe me that we are absolutely being lied to about inflation by our government. Go look up, go to Zillow, go to realtor.com, go to Trulia. Check out these statistics. CoreLogic Case Schiller, 20 city home price index. Uh, the US house price index from the Federal Housing Agency. Go look at all those statistics and you'll notice that all of them are way higher than what our government is saying. So I don't trust these people. I don't know if you should either, but they have an incentive to downplay the inflation. What is that incentive? That incentive might be with the social security system. You know what? If inflation is 10%, you know what happens to the social security payments? They have an inflation rider. They keep up with inflation. It would be very expensive. It would be a lot more expensive to have an 18% inflation rider than a 8% inflation rider. And we have the world reserve currency. What would all of our trading partners around the world, and some of these trading partners don't particularly like us, what would they do if they knew our world reserve currency that the world revolves around was actually losing 15, 16, maybe 17% a year in its purchasing power rather than 8%. They might be incentivized to dump US dollars and decrease their reliance on US dollars, as we have seen countries all over the world do, and that would be bad for the United States. So, what else to cover on Max's Midweek, Mar Ma Max's Midweek Market Mania? So, we went over some of the prices of the major indices. You know, they, they moved a little bit. They broke their losing streak, which is good but we still don't know what's gonna happen. Gas is at an all-time high. It's probably gonna keep going up. Crude oil was up 11% on the month, as I said. Uh, yeah, I think, that, I think that is a good place to end it. So, ladies and gentlemen, stay, stay, uh, stay interested, stay, continue to learn, do everything you can to at least make a plan to educate yourself on the financial markets and financial literacy and credit, all the stuff in that area, the stuff that our school system did not teach us. I didn't learn well enough about credit and good debt versus bad debt. Some people say a house is a liability. Others say, others say it's an investment. Liabilities cost money. You gotta pay property tax, you gotta pay gas, you gotta pay electric, you gotta pay for maintenance. That might argue that a house is a liability but you've heard from probably everybody that your home is your biggest investment. Houses cost a lot of money. They cost a lot to maintain. It might not be your best option at an investment, but this is all stuff that we should all look at, digest it, look at both angles, and see what 
fits us best. So stay learning, people, and tune in next week on Max Morning Market Mania. Thanks for listening.